Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. My guest today is Carl Thomas. Carl is the founder of Live Free Ministries, which provides resources like the Live Free Community app for men who hunger for real freedom from unwanted sexual behaviors, and the Live Free Wives community for spouses who need a safe place to heal from betrayal. He's also the author of a new book entitled When Shame Gets Real, a new way to talk about sex, porn, and masturbation. Our conversation today revolves around this issue of shame, what it is, how it perpetuates unhealthy and even unwanted sexual behaviors, what it takes to live free from it, and why authentic community is so powerful for dealing with shame effectively. To learn more about Carl and his ministry, visit livefreecommunity.org. To find out more about his book, go to whenshamegetsreal.com. For more resources, visit bebroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now, let's dive into today's conversation with Carl. Well, all right, Carl Thomas, good to have you back on the program. How are you doing? Oh, man, it's, uh, what is it, Tuesday? So better than Monday, but not as quite as good as Friday. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing yeah, right. Hey, man, I was, I was glad to have you back on. You know, last time that you were on the podcast, we were we were really talking about the power of community and and talking about the live free community, and we'll, we'll be certain to uh, share about that as as we wrap up this conversation today, but um, I'm really excited about uh, something that you've got coming down the pike, um, a, a new book that you've been working on and specifically dealing with this issue of shame. And so I want us to just really dive into that today. Um, you've got a, uh, uh, a, a title on this book, When Shame Gets Real, and then a new way to talk about sex, porn, and masturbation. And so I know that while we're having this conversation right now, the book isn't out yet, but I want to talk about like what led to this writing. Why did you feel the need to write a book about shame? So it's, it's, that's a, it's a kind of, a, I'll try to keep it simple, but I mean, I've always, I've always wanted to write, I like to write, right? And I've always wanted to write a book of some sort. It was kind of, kind of like a bucket list item. But I've never had, it's never been to the point where I said, oh, I I have to do this because I'm not trying out to be some sort of influencer. I'm not trying to create a speaking gay, you know, a speaking business. Like, I don't care about all that stuff and way too busy with everything else going on. So, but then a publisher approached me and said, hey, you know, I read one of your articles on Triple X Church, actually, in this case. And he said, he asked me if I'd be interested in writing a book. And I said to him, Sure you know, tell me more. So he told me more and, uh, he asked me what I wanted to write on. And it's funny over the years when I've thought to myself fancifully, I think that's a word or fancy. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but, Oh, Hey, what would I write on? The the topics have shifted, right? Like, this would be kind of cool to write on. This would be kind of cool to write on. Um, but over the past three years working, especially really hands-on in the communities that we've built with live free and small groups online and these other things where I'm working directly with people. Uh, shame has this, this idea or this topic is shame has just constantly presented itself. And I constantly feel like I'm kicking the curb, you know, when I'm talking to guys about it, because just so many of them just, they just can't seem to get past it. 
Yeah. Right. And I and I can see. I'm not saying I'm omniscient or anything, but I can see what they can't see. If that makes sense. Like I'm looking and I'm saying, man, you're so close. And this thing that you're holding on to, it's nonsense. You you don't need to be holding on to this so tight. You can let this go. It's okay. And a lot of these guys just they can't see that. Right. They just literally can't see it. It's almost like they're blind to that idea that this is something they don't need to hold on to. And I'm convinced that with a lot of these people, a lot of these men and women, um, that's what's keeping them trapped more than anything is the fact that they refuse to let go of the shame. They're willing to show up the group. They're willing to do a course. They're willing to meet a counselor, but they're just not willing to let go of the shame. Yeah. And that keeps them stuck. So that's become a huge passion point for me. And when this opportunity came up, I said, yeah, this is something I definitely have been wrestling with over the past 24 to 36 months hardcore and i'd love to i'd love to do something about it so while i know that there we may get into this there's there's lots of sort of layers to shame how would you give somebody sort of kind of high arch overarching definition when you say shame especially as it applies to what you're talking about in terms of sexual brokenness what do you even mean what are you talking about how would you define shame yeah so we, we actually talk about this in the book, and I think that's one of the things that makes it so tricky when we're talking about shame because we have so many bad definitions for it or so many misunderstandings exactly what shame is. And so in a, in a nutshell, and you've probably heard this before, but guilt, for instance, I'm not saying guilt's always good. There's There's definitely toxic guilt, right? But guilt's feeling bad about what you did. And shame is feeling bad about what you are, right? So, hey, I looked at porn. I feel bad I looked at porn. <clears throat> Maybe I'm feeling convicted. That's even better than guilt, right? But yeah. I feel guilty. Uh, shame is, oh, I looked at porn. I'm such a scumball, right? No, mm-hmm. no, you, you you didn't do a good thing, but that doesn't change who you are, right? So that's that's how I define shame in a very basic way. But at the end of the day, shame's a feeling too. And, and therefore, it's not something that we are we, we feel subject to it, but we don't need to be because it's like any other feeling. It's it's just a the way our brain is processing the emotions and the things happening in the moment. And we're free to either embrace that feeling or reject it or or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reframe it. OK, I'm feeling this way. How should I be feeling about this situation? Where, where should I be going with this? I don't need to go that way. I can go this way. How would you say that you see shame perpetuate a person's behavior or addiction uh, in your work that you do? So th- I think that's one of the reasons why shame is so, in my, in my opinion, dangerous. And I think that's the best word. It's why it's so dangerous, not only in recovery, but just to our culture in general, because it's this vicious cycle, right? And I know I came into not only recovery, but the recovery world ministry, right? Once I found my freedom with some of the same misconceptions that, oh, hey, I feel shame because I did this thing. And so if I stop doing this thing, I won't feel bad about who I am anymore. But then eventually you realize that that's not really the case. The shame preexisted my bad choices. And then my bad choices reinforced the shame that I already feel about myself. And so it feeds each other, right? I, I feel bad about who I am. And so because of that, I'm going to go do this, right? I'm going to go escape using this method of whatever you want to call it, right? I'm going to go look at porn. I'm going to go hook up with a prostitute. I'm going to feel worthy for a second or a moment. 
And then right afterwards, I am a scumball, right? And now you're right back in it. Now I'm feeling twice as bad. So now I'm going to go act out again to try to just numb that horrible feeling. And then, and it just perpetuates and perpetuates and perpetuates. And if you don't break the shame, you're just going to keep coming back to that same old sauce every time. Why do you think that shame seems to be so powerful uh, around issues of sexuality? I mean, I'm not saying that we don't carry shame in other aspects, but it seems to be very, very strong when we start to deal with sexual brokenness. Why do you think that is, that shame seems to be so overwhelming around sexual issues? Yeah, well, I I talk about this in the book as well, but I think... At the end of the day, I mean, well, first of all, sexuality is so much more core to who we are as a person than we ever give it credit for, right? Like there's a humongous or huge, whatever word you want to put in there, an enormous component of sexuality when it comes to our spirituality. Like it's part of us. It's very, it's core to who we are. Uh, So, and at the same time, the problem is, especially in evangelical culture, Christian culture, and I think that's where you see it even more so than in non-Christian culture, is we've built up a lot of walls uh, around the topics of sex and sexuality, let alone sexual, quote unquote, brokenness or masturbation or porn. So when we when we grow up in this world where we think these things are off kind of we shouldn't talk about them they're kind of dirty they're not they're not really meant for regular conversation these are only meant for i'll talk to you about in the corner 101 but i don't really need to be getting this get out because it's just not meant for that type of conversation it makes it even worse because now we're struggling with something that quite frankly drives at our our most inmost like drives at our inner being right it it it, it affects our just so much about who we are. And then on top of that, we have this misconception that I just can't talk about this stuff anyway, because it's, it's, that's not cool, right? We need to be talking about things that are a little safer. Can't be talking about masturbation in a men's group. Come on. That's, that's weird. And it's not weird. It's just life, right? It's just life. I'm not saying it's a good part of life, but it's life. Yeah. We don't, we don't seem to approach sexual topics that way right they get this nope we got to treat them a certain way with kid gloves and and unfortunately in some cases we don't we don't even want to talk about them at all let's just pretend like it doesn't exist so when you when you recognize that somebody has got some core shame issues we might call them core shame lies whatever there's there's a deep sense of shame in this person um where do you want to start with them in order to try to start helping them get on a path towards freedom from the shame yeah, so, I mean, honestly, that is, that is the, uh, that is the main thing is how do you, a, how do you identify the sources of shame in your life, and b, how do you deal with them? And honestly, that's where things like counseling really can come into play, right? Because a lot of times we're talking about things that have been with us since we've been three, four, five years old. There, um, in the book, I say that. Not saying this is all the time, but for me, um, from what I've seen and from what I've read, one of the best places to start when it comes to trying to identify the sources of shame in your life or basically where these shameful feelings originate from is look at the relationships in your life and look at the ones that are built on conditional love. 
who are the people in your life that only accept you if you fit a certain model? And, uh, and that'll, that'll get you down that road where you'll start identifying some of the lies and things like that. Okay. Hey, this person, you know, might be often it's a parent, right? This parent, my dad, he, he wanted me to be this person. I'm not that person. And, but I have to try to be that person to feel worthy of his love. And because I'm not, I'm unworthy of his love. So that makes me a bad person. Not, he doesn't have the unrealistic expect unrealistic expectations on me. It's me. I can't meet him. So I'm, I'm a terrible person. Right. So that's where you start. But then, like I said, to actually address that stuff, a lot of times it's going to come down to really good counseling, unless you're a, very, very self-aware and introspective person. I'm not saying you need a counselor, but a lot of times a counselor is going to kind of speed up that process of working through all those barriers. Yeah. And once you start identifying some of those specific lies and start addressing them, what does the, what is kind of the ongoing journey look like, especially as it revolves around community? Because it's one thing, for, you know, I think we can sometimes go on a journey and, and, see some things individually, like, hey, I read a book or I did something and all of a sudden some things pop open or, you know, I open my Bible and some things may pop open that I, I have at least an ability to identify. But we're talking about, we're, we're talking about shifting the way we live, right? Not mm -hmm. merely, oh yeah, now I know that, that that's a lie or that's a problem. It's like, well, now how do I break free from it? What does it look like in an ongoing way after there's been some of these lies identified? What do you how do you maybe coach guys? How do you encourage guys in community to then work with one another? What kind of accountability do you think is necessary for guys to keep breaking, you know, living in the freedom rather than just keep reverting back to the old shame lives? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of it comes down to what I call awareness. Uh, and I'm not going to get into all the science with vagal tone and all these other things, but a lot of it comes down to awareness is being aware of the fact that you're having this feeling and then what are you going to do with it? Right. Because when we were coming up with the title for the book, the one thing I wasn't going to write is a, a proof positive way to eliminate all the shame in your life. Like, cause that's impossible. You're always going to have feelings of shame. Well up. It happens. Yeah. It happens to me all the time. Uh, the difference is what do you do with it? Right. Do you, do you let it drive you down? Do you let it squish you? Do you, do you run to whatever you run to to just ignore those feelings or do you, are you self-aware enough to realize, okay, Hey, I'm having this feeling. Where is this coming from? This isn't healthy. This isn't even accurate. This is just the way I'm interpreting it. So I'm going to choose a better path. And I think where community comes into play, I mean, there's a lot of ways community comes into play, but um, I, I've told people this with live free. I said, I consider live free training wheels for real life, right? Guys going into your church and saying, Hey, I struggle with unwanted sexual behavior. I, I need some help is going to be very scary. And let quite frankly, unrealistic that most guys would be willing to do that. Right. At least right off the bat. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you can kind of get the training wheels under you, right? Hey, I'm in a community with other men that all deal with this. There's no need for me to feel embarrassed about this. And they get into the habit of saying, okay, hey, I can talk about this and I see that I'm not going to be rejected. And I see that there's an acceptance here and there's a grace here. And that eventually, hopefully it starts to set in that, oh, hey, you know what? Maybe this isn't as scary as, as I make it out to be. Maybe 
acceptance and grace is the way it's supposed to be, not rejection and embarrassment, right? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so that's why I think community is so important. But again, community also comes into play with a lot of the brain science stuff, right? It's it, building up those uh, emotional, helping your emotional wellness and overall emotional health and your, your awareness levels again. So there's just multiple ways that community kind of plays into that. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about that, because what have you seen the difference be between a, a guy who sort of tries to quote unquote manage or solve this shame issue on his own versus a guy who's willing to get into community to really deal with his shame issue? Well, you know, I, I I've only I can't say this a hundred percent, obviously, because I don't know everybody out there, but I've never, in my experience, and I've dealt worked with a lot of men, I've never met a person in my life or a man in my life who I would say is absolutely free of this quote unquote free. Um, who's not, who hasn't addressed some of the shame issues in his life. Um, and that's for me, that's the difference between sober and free, right? There's, there's guys out there who might do this solo and maybe they figure out some good life hacks and they do a course and they, okay, Hey, I don't need to look at porn anymore, but six years, seven years down the road. Hey, how's pornography? Is that a struggle with you? No, it's not a struggle. I have, I have my accountability software. I have my steps. I have my things. I know how to manage it. But for him, it's still a struggle to go to because he's still feeling that push, right? From the shame he's still dealing with. Uh, He just has good coping mechanisms versus the person who's done this with other people who, who's opened up who understands what tr- the importance of transparency and accountability and all that stuff. And those guys, nine times out of 10, the ones that are really on the other side of recovery, like they're experiencing freedom more than sobriety. It's, Hey, yeah, yeah. I, I don't look at that stuff. And I also don't feel the need to look at that stuff as much anymore. Why don't they feel the need to look at that stuff? Well, by and large, because they're, they've already addressed a lot of those shameful reasons that have pushed them to those unwanted sexual behaviors in the first place. So let's talk, you've mentioned, you mentioned freedom a couple of times. Let's talk about uh, if somebody were to ask you, how would you describe what the opposite of shame looks like in a man's life? What would you, how would you try to describe that? Because I think that's sometimes what people do when they come into recovery, right? They've got their behaviors, they've got this thing, and they've got some kind of expectation of what does the opposite of how I'm living look like? Can you apply that to shame? How would you say, what's the opposite of shame in a person's life? Yeah, I, I uh, mentioned this, I think, in, in one of the chapters later in the book. But best place to start is honestly just dealing with your identity, right? A guy, who, a guy who's dealing with shame, uh, his identity is normally going to be jacked up on some level, right? His, he's, he's attaching his identity to some third-party uh, or some external measure, right? Hey, um, I'm valuable if I do this. I'm lovable if I look like this, you know? And it's all these, again, external things. So if this is, if this is not in sync, then I'm no longer lovable. If this isn't lined up, then I'm no longer valuable, right? Whereas a guy who has addressed a lot of the shame, and again, like I said, you're still gonna have those feelings, but knows how to work through them. They understand that, hey, my value isn't tied to this external measure, right? Uh, it's not tied to 
whether somebody approves of me or doesn't approve of me. It doesn't change who I am. So therefore, yeah, I can talk about my past struggles because if you don't approve of it, that's your problem. It's not a problem for me at all, right? Because I know who I am. I know my identity. I know my value. It doesn't matter what you think. So I can talk about it, you know? Yeah. And I think that's really, it's, it's, I would say that's the best place to look at is, hey, what is your sense of identity? And I would say a guy who's dealing with a lot of shame, his, his sense of identity is, is fluctuating, right? It's, it's temperamental. A guy who's not dealing with shame, his identity is much more solid and grounded because it's, it's, not, it's not tied to these third party or external measures. So what do you see the, uh, what role does God's grace play in someone breaking free from shame? Because when you're talking about identity, I go there, I go to our maker, right? Yeah. So what role does God's grace though play? Because I mean, there's a lot of Christian men that they're drowning in shame and, and yep. they're blinded to their, their true identity. How does God's grace help them on the journey? Yeah. And I mean, I think that's obviously the probably one of the number one things. And I think one of the reasons that we have so much mis, misunderstanding even about the grace topic is because we don't understand how God views us to begin with, right? If if we understood that our identity in, in Christ is not tied to our performance, then the grace thing makes a lot more sense, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, hey, it's what Jesus did, and I love you for who you are no matter what. Right. So I, I okay, I, it's still crazy that, you know, that cra- grace is counterintuitive to begin with. Right. But right. at least it kind of makes sense. Okay. Hey, it doesn't matter. Uh, my, my value, how you view me, how you love me, it's not tied to how I perform. So I can understand how you can maybe forgive me and still love me the same way. But when we don't understand that, a lot of Christians don't understand that is no, God loves me, but he loves me as long as I perform. Right. Uh, you know, I stick rules or whatever, you know, what have I accomplished in my life? And so it's it makes that counterintuitive concept even not just counterintuitive, but confusing. I, how could you how can you show me grace and love me for who I am if at the same time I need to do certain things to get that loving? That doesn't make any sense. So uh, grace is huge. You know, yeah. but again, if we don't understand, there's a lot of people out there that don't even understand what grace means. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard so many bad theologies on grace. It's not even funny. But if, if you understand who you are in Jesus and then you understand how grace plays in all that. Yeah, then it makes perfect sense and, and you can move forward. How would you, um, you know, it, one of the things that's always having to be addressed in a recovery environment is the issue of relapses, right? And a lot of times yeah. we we think of relapses only in relationship to whatever the presenting behavior was that brought a person into a recovery environment, right? What about shame, though? Can a man have relapses in their battle with shame? And, and how do they need to be addressed that may be parallel to how you would address behavioral battles? Or are there some differences to how a guy needs to deal with the, the shame relapses in his life? Yeah, I, I mean, I... I would say you could have a, I, that's an interesting way to phrase it. I've never thought of phrasing it that way, but yeah, I think you could have a shame relapse for, for sure. Cause again, these shame moments are going to present themselves to you on a daily basis, right? I mean, again, they're tying into things that have been woven into you from sometimes when you were three or four years old. So 
they same moments present themselves to me on a daily basis in some regards, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, if I don't, what happens if I don't get this done today? Does that change who I am? Well, no, it doesn't, right? Um, but yeah, sometimes we can get into a bad season, I think, where we start believing the lies and start feeling like a loser start, and we start internalizing that stuff. And again, that's where community and these, that's where relationships come into play. Because when you have other people in your life who love you and you're having this transparent conversation with them, they're going to be able to call you out and say, Hey man, listen. And I don't mean call you out as in, Hey, I'm scolding you, but right, yeah, man, dude, do you hear what you're saying? Like, that's crazy. Like there's nothing, nothing about what you said makes any sense. It, none of this changes anything. Yeah, sure. Maybe your business is floundering right now. That's got nothing to do with you. That's the, that's the economy or that's this or that's that. It doesn't change who you are. You're still the same person, you know? And I have this uh, conversation with guys when they have a porn relapse is, oh, I had, I, man, I had such a good streak going two years and I just looked at porn the other day and I feel like I'm starting all over and I got to correct them and say, okay, if you're counting days, yes, you're starting all over, but no, you're not starting all over. Your slip up or your mishap today doesn't change anything about the past two years. The two, those past two years are those past two years. Nothing changes, right? It only matters what happened now. And what happened now is, yeah, you messed up, but you owned it. You processed it. Let's move on. Forget about it. Well, and how important do you think it is? Because a lot of a lot of uh, recovery is is you're you're learning a whole new way to live, right? So, yeah. how important is it to have a a learning posture towards shame rather than kind of a fatalistic mindset towards shame? In other words, what can a guy actually learn about himself by sort of studying his shame? Uh, well, again, yeah. If you're, we're talking about identity and conditional love and things like this, when you, when he starts examining some of where these feelings are coming from and, and some of these formative experiences, uh, he can learn that the, what, what we should all know is, hey, no, this is this is who you are. This is what you've built up in your mind about you is entirely wrong. Like that's not who you are. You think that's you, but that's not you, right? Um, these people might have said, these people in your past might have said, hey, this is you, but that's not you, right? They, they might have said, this is what makes you valuable, but that's not what makes you valuable. And so as, they, as you learn, and again, you build up a stronger sense of identity, um, it's, it's going to enable you to, to walk into some of these moments where now you can address it. It's, I've, I've told guys before, I said, hey, you know what you're feeling, but you also know the truth. And, and truth is, truth is an amazing thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the truth, I know how you're feeling and it feels awful, but you know, the truth. So now it's your choice. Are you just going to go with what you're feeling? Or are you going to go with what you know is true? Yeah. You know, um, in the book, I talk about it's funny cause I, I, I poke fun of it, but I talk about this idea of acting as if, right. Or fake it till you make it. And it's, it sounds awful. Like, I don't really mean fake it, but it's this. Hey, I know how I feel right now in the moment. I also know that that is a lie. I know the truth. So rather than choosing to walk in the lie, I'm going to walk in this, in the truth I know, even though right now it feels awful. Like I don't, I'm not buying this at all emotionally. Right. Yeah. But I know it's true. So I'm just going to do it. And I, cause I know it's going to go somewhere positive and I know this is going to go somewhere negative. 
And sometimes you just gotta, yeah, you just gotta bite down and act as if, and uh, eventually it, it 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 levels out. And and one of the one of the images that I like to use in that because I've got a long sports history, is uh, I mean, now my sport is golf. It used to be basketball when I was young, but uh, is the same thing. Like, listen, if there's something fundamentally flawed in your golf swing. And you go to an instructor and they're going to have to change the rotation and change your swing. That's going to feel very awkward at first. It doesn't feel natural. You want to go back to whatever your old, you know, slice producing swing was instead of like, okay, I'm going to have to do something like you said, act as if, right. I'm going to have to do something on a different way. I'm going to have to take a swing in a different way in order to actually correct that. And for a while it will not feel natural. It won't feel right. And that's to me a little bit of what you're saying there is you're going to have to do some things and tell yourself some things and act in certain ways that align with truth, even though at first it feels very awkward and maybe even kind of mechanical. And as we, as we, we've got a few more minutes left, I wanted to ask if there was anything else that you, that you really wanted to highlight about some things that you put in the book and then also just tell folks about live free and how they can get connected with what you're doing and eventually where they might even be able to, to grab the book. Yeah. Okay. Um, so again, the, I, I've, I wrote the book with the guys that the men, and, and I guess on some level women I've worked with in the past, like I wrote that with them in mind, right? That book is for those people because I think it's so, it's so applicable, right? It's so needed. But I've also, I had, I had a friend of mine kind of read the manuscript. They said, you know what? sex or no sex, you know, th- this works on multiple levels. It's not just about sexual shame. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's, it's good to deal with shame no matter what, right. Whether yeah. it's body shame or any sort of other shame, it, all the concepts we talk about still work. Uh, it's just, I'm talking about it in a very sexual focused way. Uh, but you know, this starts, the thing is all this starts at, at a very young age and it's and it's it's more than just individual. It's almost systematic, right? And that's that's the thing. It's okay. Hey, this this is something parents need to dive into, right? Mm-hmm. How do I start breaking down these barriers of shame with my kids about these topics at an early age? You know, my son. Sometimes it gets him in trouble with us, right? But my son has no shame talking about some of this stuff, right? With us, like he just because I've made it very clear to him. Buddy, you don't need to feel embarrassed about this stuff, right? I mean, he's told me, yeah, this kid is cool. He said this to me, you know, great. I mean, that's terrible that he said it, but I'm glad you're telling me, right? So parents need to deal with this, churches especially, right? It's like, okay, how do we, why do we, I joke around with some recovery pastors that I've talked to in the past. And I said, you know, here's the classic, here's the classic, uh, hard and rock in a hard place situation for a church. Hey, we, we have this large congregation and we know statistically that there are a ton of men out here dealing with porn. So what are we going to do? Well, either we can ignore it. Or be, okay. Hey, you get this one passion, the guy that's willing to lead the charge, right? So he works his tail off. He sets up a weekly recovery group. He gets the messaging out, blah, blah, blah. Here comes the big night for our first recovery meeting and two dudes show up and it's because you're serving free donuts. Right. And it's, well, what happened? What happened? I mean, you did all the work and then nothing happens. And so they shut down the program because it doesn't, because the guys in the church don't feel free enough to go out to that Tuesday night group because they don't want to be the porn guy. Everybody knows who goes to that group on Tuesday night. It's the masturbators. Right. right. So, 
I don't want to be seen as that guy. So I'm not church is the last place I'm going on a Tuesday night. And so that says something, whether it's like intentional, which I would say most cases it's not, or completely unintentional, which I would say it is, that's, that is reflective of the culture, right? Yeah. Church culture needs to, needs to shift when it comes to these things. Again, we got to start, we have no problem. Um, you know, hey, we're going to have a Dave Ramsey workshop, okay? Everybody who's living paycheck to paycheck, come on out. Everybody shows up, right? Nobody cares about a minute they live paycheck to paycheck, right? Or maybe we have a fitness thing. Less people come out, but it has nothing to do with the shame. It has more to do with the fact that they just don't want to do the exercising or the eating right, right? Right, right. All these things are dis- all these things are a form of dysfunction in our life, right? We're financially dysfunctional. Uh, health-wise, we're dysfunctional. But sexuality, eh, let's stay away from that one, right? As no, no, man. I, I understand because it involves private parts. It's a little more sensitive up here. Yeah. But the reality is it's life. It's life. And we we need to deal with it just like we deal with other aspects of life. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the book's for a wider audience than just people to struggle with porn. It's, it's all sorts of things. You know? Yeah. And where can people get information about Live Free and um... – and where might they be able to get the book? So if you go to whenshamegetsreal.com, uh, you can go there today. You can sign with me on the, like, basically the get notified list and also download the first chapter for free. So I would recommend someone does that. And then uh, Live Free, you go to livefreecommunity.org. Uh, that's for men. We also have livefreewives.org for spouses because spouses deal with a lot of shame as well. Right. Um Hey, again, going back to this, what does it say about me? My husband has this issue. What's that say about me? It says nothing about you, right? But spouses deal with shame. So <clears throat> either of those websites you can go to, learn more about what we do. Um, and if you want to sign up for a live free community, there's a sign up link there. And it's, you know, a couple clicks and you're in. Awesome. Well, hey, man, Carl, we appreciate this. I appreciate you doing this work. And um, uh, thanks for being with us today on the program. <laughs> Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate being on here. Yeah. Well, and listeners and viewers, we're going to put all those uh, links in the show notes today, but check out, check out Live Free Community and the, and the book. And we're glad that you've been with us, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Hey, thanks, John. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.